0: Today we have an interview with the hosts of the Gritty Nurse podcast, Amy Archibald-Varley and Sarah Fung. This is Doctor vs. Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode what we normally do is I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. But today is a special episode. Today, we are interviewing Sarah Fung and Amy Archibald Varley, the hosts of the Gritty Nurse Podcast. And Ali, I'm excited to have them on. You know, usually we have such a medicine focused thing. Obviously I'm a doctor. You're not a real doctor. And so- it, A doctor in my own way, yeah, you could say. exactly. So it's biased- Doctor of love. Don't know about mm-hmm. that. Anyway, no? okay. it's, uh, we're, you know, th- there's a bias and we, throughout this podcast, one of our hidden themes is exploring bias, right? And so yeah. we come from this lens of medicine. I do use, you, you know, sort of doctor of love. And <laughs> uh, it's, it's good to get another perspective, especially because of this nursing crisis that's going on really in, where we live in Ontario,
1: but in all of North America. Also, Asif, I'll just pull back the curtain here a little bit and talk about how this felt. Uh, this felt fateful because you had you had driven me. You know, you had said, "Check out this great podcast, Gritty Nurse Podcast. We should have them on sometime." Um, these these both these nurses, and so I spent some time looking at the website, and I, you know, entrusted you would reach out to them at some point. And one day, you were about to reach out to them. And you watched me on a show called The Social. Now, The Social in, in in Canada, it's on a network called CTV, and it's something like The Talk. You know, there's or The um, View, or the, or the View. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Not The Talk is also Canadian. The <laughs> View has you know four hosts, and they'll welcome a guest. They'll talk about topics of the day and this kind of stuff. So I was on The Social promoting my book, and it just so happened, insanely that amy archibald varley who is one of the nurses on the gritty nurse podcast was also backstage i had just had no idea i walked by her not knowing that it was her i thought she was part of the crew i thought she was part of like the writing or direction or production crew for the show uh the social but um it just felt like this is a, a a conversation that was meant to be because you know the very day you're looking to reach out to her you see her on the exact same show that i'm on but i didn't even get to meet her
0: it was meant to be so let's uh hear this interview that we conducted with
1: sarah and amy conducted i like it. it's very professional mm-hmm. Awesome. We it's like an orchestra interviews yeah. like maestros over here yeah
0: maestro fresh west what
1: hope you enjoy it So, as mentioned, we're joined today by Amy Archibald-Varley and Sarah Fung, two nurses who host the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Amy, Sarah, welcome to Doctor vs. Comedian.
2: Thanks, so glad to be here.
3: Thanks for having
0: us. So, on our podcast, we often ask our guests about their origin stories, so how they came to be who they are. So, Amy, why don't we start with you, and you can tell us a bit about who you are and how you got into nursing.
3: All right. So my name is Amy Archibald Burley and, um, I'm a registered nurse. I have my master's degree in women's health as well as nursing. And, um, I kind of got into nursing because of an incident that happened with my grandfather. So when I was, uh, much younger, he, he was, he was, he's old, but he, he ended up having a stroke and, um, I was maybe around 13, 14 at the time, not really understanding the healthcare system, never really experiencing it. But the first taste I had of experiencing the healthcare system was with my grandfather going into emergency department. And really it was the treatment that he received that made me kind of question what was really happening. And I was kind of like, you know, um, he's racialized. I didn't really even think about racism as a factor at that point in time, but I just remember, you know, them treating him so harshly and, you know, telling him to go sit and wait. He was in his eighties. My mom was trying to advocate for him. And I just remember, you know, there were really great healthcare providers. And then I, but what stood out, unfortunately was some of the really horrible things that were said to him. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? I think I could do this better. (laughs) So eventually I ended up getting into healthcare and becoming a nurse. And that has always been my goal. My, my goal always has to been like, how can I make this better? How can I continuously improve folks' healthcare experiences when they come into healthcare? And how can I now translate that into something that other folks can understand as well? So, um, I don't want to go into too much detail because I'll get Sarah to kind of uh, continue with the, the this part of the story where um, we both actually were working at an organization, both having experiences where we both were being actually bullied. So uh, bullying in nursing is very, very pervasive. I'm sure you've probably <laughs> heard stories about, you know, the bullying in nursing. We both were being bullied and we decided and unfortunately, we actually didn't really talk about it very much. And we both decided that, you know, um, we both left. So I left. I think Sarah left like two weeks later. And I said to her, I said, hey, you know, why don't we start a podcast? Why don't we just start talking about our experiences, talking about nursing as a profession, talking about healthcare care and health equity and just throw it out there? I'm like, no one's going to listen. <laughs> And um, that's kind of how we started the Gritty Nurse podcast, but I'll pass it over to Sarah.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Sarah Fung. I'm also a registered nurse, and I've been a nurse for 15 years now. I have a master's as well in nursing, and uh, the reason I got into nursing is a little bit different. So my mom actually was a nurse. Uh, She was an internationally trained nurse, and uh, when she came to Canada, she never ended up practicing in nursing for uh, multiple uh, different reasons. But Licensing was hard, the job market wasn't as great, Uh, and really she just didn't feel confident. I think part of it was a language barrier, part of it was being a new nurse. And I remember as I was growing up, she said to me many times over the years how she regretted her decision. And when it came time for me to choose a career, I thought, why not just continue on where she left off and You know, it seemed like it was something I wanted to do. I was always interested in helping people. I was really interested in biology. And I used to read her nursing textbooks all the time, which was really weird for a kid to do. Um, But then, you know, it just also seemed like a practical decision at the time. My family was very practical, you know, traditional Asian family. They wanted you to do something where there would be a career that they could see. And so I went into nursing and um, I'm gonna skip over all my years in nursing, but essentially I worked in acute care, and obstetrics, I did um, education, I did a bit of research, um, worked in nursing leadership, which is where I met Amy, and um, we experienced significant challenges related to bullying. And she explained how we both ended up leaving our workplaces due to mental health struggles and the fact that nobody wanted to listen and nobody wanted to change what was happening. We tried to go up to senior leadership. They kept saying, um, you know, they were giving us the runaround that they were going to look into it. But I think. Ultimately, they were glad that we were gone and we were not going to cause a fuss anymore. So we thought if nobody was going to listen to us, why not create our own platform where we could podcast about anything we wanted? And, you know, we didn't think anyone was listening. So there's no pressure really to deliver any content that, you know, was going to meet people's expectations. And so that was three years ago. And here we are now, we're still podcasting. We're still advocating for things that we feel are important to nursing and healthcare.
1: Now I'd love to I'd love to say that the treatment that Amy's grandfather received years ago is something that'll never happen again and the bullying that you encountered is something that doesn't happen anymore but we don't want to kick this off on a bummer we don't want we don't want to kick this podcast off on a low note so I'd rather ask about something much more positive Amy you said that nobody's going to listen to your podcast but in fact you have tons of listeners you have great interest from the media you have become you know kind of the voice of nursing uh, around these parts people come to you as an authority what do you think accounts for that especially since a lot of your experiences were about people who weren't listening to your voices when you were in these situations early on what do you think accounts for the interest in the in the podcast
3: You know, that's, 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 we've never actually had that question. And that's actually a really important question to ask. And I think this speaks to the power of storytelling. I think folks connect with stories, folks connect with, you know, experiences that are shared. And I think one of the things that one of myself and Sarah wanted to do was bring these stories to the forefront and that people could listen to our podcast and say, oh my God, that happened to me too. I had that experience. And I think that's what kind of connected with a lot of other individuals listening and that's kind of what got the ball rolling. And um, I'm glad that we were able to connect with folks and that folks were able to, one, hear our truths. And then we were uh, we also wanted to lift other people's stories and share their truths as well. So that's kind of what I feel helped the success of the podcast because we were storytellers. We were sharing our truth. We were raw and kind of gritty with it as well. And just, I think that visceralness where people, I think over the last three years, people have been tired of the nonsense, right? And they just wanted to hear something real and authentic. And that's what we were trying to bring to them. So I think it was a different side of nursing that a lot of folks hadn't seen. And we were happy to propel that forward.
1: That's great. I think it's such an important element. You know, my world is storytelling or it has become storytelling. It used to be like tighter comedy and then it just grew organically over time. And I see exactly what you're talking about. People connect with stories. Um But I never considered it uh, as much, you know, in the medical field. That seems more science and facts, medicine. But of course, storytelling is such a great part of it. And I'm, you know, hyper aware of that as I was listening through to episodes of your podcast, because those are stories and people sort of be like, oh, that could have been my grandfather. That could have been my child. Mm -hmm. That could have been somebody I was dealing with. So I kind of knew the answer to your question. The, or the question that I asked you, but I really like the way you you phrase that, and and in storytelling, you wouldn't think that it it uh, is so powerful in medicine, but of course it is, of course it is. So. Now Ali is going to criticize me for bringing up the bummer
0: subjects that he didn't want to talk about like a few minutes ago. But I I am really struck by what you guys were saying about the bullying because, of course, I'm an outsider but an insider, right? I'm in healthcare like you guys are, but I'm not a nurse. But I see this going on and, and I think you guys can correct me, maybe Sarah, about there are some terms that nurses have for the junior nurses when they come on the ward for the first time and that sort of thing. So you know maybe tell us a bit more about some of these experiences because as you guys said i think i've seen it from the outside i'm not sure ali was that aware of it or our general listenership would be aware of it so sarah you want to just tell us a bit more about that
2: yeah there's a really common term in nursing and it's called nurses eating their young so this is the phrase that we use where when you're a new nurse on the unit regardless of how old you actually are um we use the term eating their young or you're a baby nurse because you've just gone onto the unit. You are trying to learn everything the best you can. And what the expectation is, in a perfect world, is that somebody would take you under their wing, just like a mama bird would take a baby bird and show you the ropes and teach you everything you need to know and just build you up for success. But unfortunately, what happens a lot is that there's this um, rite of passage that people feel like you have to go through. So um, the older nurses might think, oh, you know, I had a really rough time, I need you to learn on your own, you need to fall and pick yourself up so that you can gain street credit or whatever. And so they purposely make it more difficult for you where when you ask for help, they don't help you, they tell you to go figure it out on your own, they tell you to look it up. Or um, in really bad cases, they might even just tell you the wrong thing to do, and watch you mess up and watch you, you know, make that mistake and have to learn from it and um, it's actually so pervasive in nursing and I don't quite know I guess that that big question is why does this happen. And I think there's a lot of different reasons, but it's just the culture of nursing where we need to support our young and. I know that bullying is so common as well, and part of the problem with bullying and eating their young is this bystander effect, where a lot of us have seen it happen, and we stand by, and the reason why we don't intervene is probably because we don't want it happening to us, but this bystander Mm -hmm. effect is so big that if we all started to do something and call it out in the moment, I think a lot of it would just stop.
1: I'm actually kind of embarrassed to hear this, because I I did the same thing to Asif. I would call him a baby podcaster, (laughs) and I uh, I would treat him terribly, and watch him Fail. You're going to see some of it today as well. And, um, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. That is, you know, that's it's almost human nature to do this. And, And of course, it would exist in nursing as well. But, you know, people who have gone through tremendous struggle, you think inherently they will just want to not see that with others uh as they go on in their careers or in their lives but it's uh, you see it so often yeah and i so think it's
0: any anytime you have a profession that has an enculturation process to it and you know it's something more than just a profession for nursing for physicians for military for uh, police officers right Th- there is there is something that happens in those professions and it's been well studied uh you know this idea of the hidden curriculum right uh, of of how we indo- and and the same thing you said sarah you know we've gone through this so you have to go through this and it's tough though as you said like where do you where do you draw the line and say we cannot do this anymore right we wouldn't tolerate this behavior from teachers teaching our children right but as soon as now we're in the workforce and we're in quotes adults then we're doing it right so it's like it's so hard to know when you draw that line
3: yeah it's it's actually a greater conversation in relation to hierarchy and power structures and i think that's really actually what it fundamentally is In healthcare, there are power structures and there are hierarchies. You know, um, whether they're real or not, they are they exist. So for example, you you think about the hierarchy, you say, okay, here's the CEO, doctors nurses, admin staff, and the thing is, that's really not, that's how healthcare has been done, but that's not how healthcare is supposed to work. Everybody's supposed to be working in an interdisciplinary, interfunctional team where we all, you know, we all bring our skills and our knowledge and our and our um, abilities to the table. But those structures, there's hierarchies within hierarchies, right? And I think that's what we're trying to, well, I am and myself and Sarah are trying to actively continue to dismantle because these structures and these hierarchies have further, um, implications in the way that we do things. And when I talk about, you know, my quality improvement mind, um, it can cause harm. (laughs) So if we don't work in these teams, we don't work functionally with one another. We have these hierarchies and these power structures that prevent us from doing what we should be doing. Eventually it just trickles down to the patient. And that's what we're trying to prevent. I wanted
1: to draw people to your podcast. And I wanted to do that by asking you both a kind of a tougher question, potentially. Um, you cover a lot of pretty insane stuff from the workplace violence, newborn death. I mean, it's, it's really, I'm going to say they're all quite compelling episodes in their own, but are there episodes of the podcast or, or incidents related to episodes that have really stuck with you, that, you, that, that really live with you? Sarah, I'll ask you that first.
2: Well, I think that we try to balance it out. I know you mentioned some really heavy topics. We do, believe it or not, try to balance it out with some lighthearted topics. We're not as good, I'll admit, at the comedy part, but we try. Um, One of the things that stood out to me in the very beginning is that we talked a lot about the bullying. It was a three-part episode, and I almost feel like it was therapy for me because I didn't have anyone who really understood what I was going through except for Amy like we went through the same sort of thing together same environment and so it was really an opportunity for us to talk about what happened in detail and you know listen to each other so that was really impactful for me and also just bringing on guests that otherwise have been silenced so we recently had a guest on who's had long COVID and she's disabled now from it and she talked a lot about what that meant for her and what people's reactions have been to her going through long COVID. Um, So I think that it really changed her life. Like the fact that we were able to give her this voice, the fact that she was able to share with a lot of people what she'd been going through. And she even mentioned it took her a whole day of just resting up to prepare for it because she does suffer from Mm. chronic fatigue. And if we can do that for someone and share their story and uh, make them feel that they're being heard. That's really what I want to do with a podcast. And that's something that stuck with me. And I continue to follow her to see how she's doing um, because I really do care about the people that come onto our podcast and what this experience is for them. And I always hope to make it a positive experience.
1: That's so great. Amy, again, I feel like I might be asking you to pick your favorite child here. And I'm sure there's so many episodes that resonate with you, but is there one that comes to mind that was particularly impactful or compelling in your mind?
3: Wow. I mean, that's, that's such a challenging, um, question we've done. We've done like over Mm a hundred episodes and I I am trying to kind of think one that really stands out in my mind. I mean, I And it's tough because Sarah gave a good answer and and really (laughs) is trying to
1: sabotage you right now, as we can see, which is, I didn't think you guys were going to work against each other like this, but here we are.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be biased. And I think that, you know, um, my mom's story, um, When she had that experience at the Windsor hospital, I think that um, I didn't expect a situation like that to happen. And again, that was, I think, I think the, I think the fact that, you know, I was able to capture some of what was happening. Can you detail that a little Uh, bit,
1: her experience at the Windsor hospital? Yeah,
3: I can. So essentially my mom has heart issues and she had gone into the emergency department seeking, seeking care. And because she was scared, she was um, passing out. And again, this was during COVID times where they weren't letting folks come into the ED. She asked me if I could stay on the phone with her. So I was like, absolutely. Like, I mean, I'm, I want to be on the phone because if you pass out, I can give your health information to the nurse, whoever's triaging you, I can at least, you know, be that calm voice and help support you because I'm a nurse. Um, And when she arrived in, I could hear them telling her to shut her phone off, that she's not allowed to have her phone. I was trying to explain to the nurse because my mom then put me on speakerphone. I was trying to explain to the nurse that I'm a nurse too. I'm just on the line to help support my mom because she felt like she was about to pass out. And I could hear them yelling at her and I'm like, what is happening? And then um, the call dropped and then The next thing I know, she calls me back and she was outside of the hospital. They kicked her out for having her cell phone on. So instead of triaging her because of her heart issues, because my mom has atrial uh, fibrillation, they ended up kicking her out. So um, I caught most of it on on uh, through my phone. And it was a it was an episode that although it pains me to talk about it, although it was probably the scariest experience I ever had in my entire life. Change is coming because of it. Um, my mom is now a patient partner with Windsor Hospital, making changes to anti-black racism within their healthcare system. I'm gonna, I'm continuing to partner with them and work with them to see how they can improve health equity through their through different strategies. They've hired now um, equi- an equity specialist. So although something so painful and devastating came through that. Um, changes, changes occurring. So for me, I'll, I'm super biased. That for me is a huge one.
1: No, it is huge bias or not. I think that's so great. And it's because I think the real struggle is it's great that you have this sort of outlet and you're getting heard and people are listening. But if it results in no change at some point, you'll be feeling a, a level of hopelessness. And it feels like with you, both of you, you do see some hope and you do see some change. And there's so much value in what you do and in, in, in having this podcast and, you know, kind of exposing and investigating these various type of incidents. I, I follow one of your colleagues, Bridget Umegba, who's a, a nurse um, in, I think she's in Durham region. And sometimes just reading what she posts, I need to have a, a, an hour, a walk just, and I'm, just casually reading she's living it you're all living it day to day it's it's a lot so yeah, it is wonderful that there is a you know ray of sunshine positive thing that comes out of a lot of what you do
3: i going to say it actually comes at a cost i think that's the other thing that folks don't understand like i think that you know with like myself sarah bergett and other nurses that you might see speaking out on social media uh, it does come at a cost like i think um we are the very few that are speaking out, although we get a lot of messages, a lot of DMs from other nurses. There's such a fear and silence around speaking out like we are we actually aren't empowered by our colleges or by, you know, our administrations to actually do this work like we don't get paid to to advocate or any of these things, but there's also a lot of fear surrounding it so we kind of actually have to put ourselves on the line every single time that, you know, we do an interview with CBC or CTV or global, or, or, you know, we have a podcast episode, we're always putting ourselves out there. And I think that's, that's, that's the risk. But I think the, the reason we do it is because we fundamentally care about folks. And we know that advocacy is hard. And we know that folks don't have all the tools. And we're trying in whatever way we can to give folks the tools to help mm-hmm. try to advocate for themselves. And I, I should
1: say, I mispronounced your colleague's name. It's Birgit, not Bridget. I, my brain saw what it wanted to see from years of seeing Bridget's Birgit Umigba. Is her name i believe right okay
0: you know speaking of this and and advocacy i did want to talk to you guys probably about one of the uh, one or two most pressing issues in nursing right now which is this nursing crisis i mean it is a crisis in canada it's a crisis in north america and just to people so people understand you hear a lot about oh there's no beds in the hospital there's wait times in emergency rooms and and this is no beds there's no beds oh you guys need to buy more physical beds this is a euphemism that is used in medicine to say that there's not enough beds. No, there's not enough nurses to care for patients in the beds. There is enough beds. There's a bed anywhere and that's not And there's physical space. Sometimes there's issues with physical space, but really it's nursing. We do not have enough nurses to care for people. And that's why you're seeing uh, this crisis. Can you talk a bit about what you guys have seen and what your colleagues have seen in the front lines, uh, Sarah? Um,
2: You know, I think it's, it's very frustrating for us to keep hearing this whole bed term being used, right? Because it dehumanizes the whole experience. It's not about furniture. And I think Doug Ford just keeps using this term because he wants to make it about statistics. There are not enough nurses to care for patients safely that's the end of the story when you go to emerge and you're waiting for 12 plus hours it's because there aren't enough nurses and i think if you really get down to the root cause of why we're losing so many nurses um, we talk about a lot of different things but at the end of the day they don't feel valued they don't feel respected and they don't feel appreciated and part of that is bill 124 which caps our wages Um, part of it is being forced to work overtime, not getting vacation really just not having a safe workload. So all of us went into nursing, because we wanted to help others because we wanted to make a difference. And when you're being told that you have to look after 10 patients, you know, or more, when the safe standard is maybe less than half, how can you provide care, like you're just running around doing tasks, just trying to keep people alive and doing the bare minimum. But that's not what patients need or want. And it's just this huge ethical struggle that nurses face every day on the job. And we know that if we leave nursing, that we're letting our colleagues down. But at at some point, you have to think about yourself, your family, and what this is all doing. And I think this is why a lot of nurses leave or they They look for jobs outside of uh, direct patient care or they reduce their hours because it just seems that every time and I'm not trying to make this all doom and gloom, but it's a, it's a dark time in nursing. And I think there's a lot of potential to make change and we would love to see that change happening. It just doesn't seem to be happening fast enough.
1: You're touching on the subject. We're talking about burnout in nursing, but also I wanted to ask about, um, violence in, in healthcare. You had a, a, a st- statistic up on the website. Just for April, I think it was over 90% of healthcare workers have experienced some form of violence. That was in one month only. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that violence looks like and what the, what the effects of that are and the cost of that too?
3: Yeah, I mean... When when we think about working in a hospital, you you actually don't think that the the that you might be harmed, right? I think when we think about healthcare, we, we we're delivering care. We aren't the nest we are the ones that are in need of care. And unfortunately, there has been a lot of violence, not even just in nursing, but in healthcare. But when you look at the statistics, it actually shows that like nurses are Abused more than even police officers, firefighters. And again, we don't even have the same provisions as these other folks and other professions, which again calls into question other things. Mm-hmm. But I'm I mean, I think every nurse has some form of experience where they have been, whether it was harassed verbally, physically. And I think this is a, a greater conversation because there's not really much being done about it. Like if you look at the look at what organizations are doing. Um, gentle persuasion approach is not really going to help if I'm being punched in the face. I mean, I can only talk someone down so much, and if they're going to be violent towards me, there has to be some provisions for protection, and there aren't. And I think this is what's very challenging, something that we have to really address with administrators, because I mean, We just need better training. And I think it can't be just, you know, we curl ourselves up into a ball and just take it. We should have the same provisions that if I was a civilian on the street and someone came and assaulted me, I should feel empowered to press charges. And again, there are these really weird conversations that happen in healthcare with managers and other leaders that are like, oh, you know, just put in an incident report and uh, we'll deal with it that way. Well, an incident report is not going to change the fact that I was assaulted at work we need to have more support from our leadership when these types of incidences happen. And again, you know, they talk about, you know, maybe the patient has dementia or other other concerns and again, I don't want that to distract from the fact that someone still was injured. We still need to we still need to say, okay, well, how do we prevent this from occurring ever again? And that's what I'm kind of what we're trying to bring light to. So
0: when we're looking at that, that's in terms of the violence in the workplace issue, but when we look at that bigger issue of burnout, the, this crisis in nursing, what do you guys think? Like, what are the next steps? Because as, as you said, Sarah, we don't wanna be all doom and gloom, and, and this this is just the reality though. There is a crisis right now as we speak, uh, at least in our province, if not uh, farther in Canada and in the US as well. But what do you think the first steps are that we need to take? Or perhaps the governments do, maybe not we, but governments, hospitals, nursing organizations. What are the next steps to take to kind of address this? Um, I
2: think that it really comes down to a lot of it is just making more flexible work environments. Like I posted the other day that I know quite a few nurses who have left their full-time jobs because the hospital wasn't able to offer them any accommodation to any decrease in their hours. And a lot of nurses wanna be at the bedside, but not in a full-time capacity. So why would you not keep a nurse that wants to work part-time instead of losing them altogether? So I think just having more flexible strategies around that trying to bring nurses back that have left, you know, if they've retired. I know a lot of nurses actually who've retired, and they wanted to work casually, and they kept being told there wasn't any opportunity. So trying to break down the levels of bureaucracy, which are required to work in healthcare, I think is one thing. Um, I know that they're fast tracking internationally educated nurses, I think that needs to keep going, we need to speed that process up, even in terms of obtaining a license to work in Ontario for example. There's so much backlog. I've heard of nurses waiting years just to be able to work um, to get their license and I think that's something that can easily be fixed and also When we're looking at hiring nurses, if they don't have any bedside experience, don't let that be a deterrent to having them work or maybe they've had a gap, which I've talked to a lot of nurses, they have a gap of a few years, and they're not even being considered for bedside roles because they don't have what they consider to be recent experience, but they're still nurses and they've worked in healthcare before. So why would we not take them up on what they're willing to give?
3: Yeah. And if I could just add, like, there's this, there's this age old, like, you know, a nurse says that they're going to quit and, you know, they're like, oh, we'll give an exit interview. And they're just like, why are you quitting? And the nurse will say, well, I'm quitting because of this. And they're like, thank you for that information and feedback. That's where the conversation should actually change. It should be, how the hell do we keep you here? (laughs) Like the recruitment and retention issue is the Biggest issue that we have right now, in not just in Ontario, but in Canada, in the US, it's an international issue. And it can easily be solved by just asking nurses, How can we keep you at the bedside? No nurse is going to be out there saying, You know, we want the world. We're not like, Oh, you know, we want to be paid like $100 an hour. Like, that's not what nurses are asking for. We're asking for vacation time <laughs> to be able to take vacation when we ask for it. We're asking for benefits. There's a lot of nurses that work part-time have no benefits. There should, and there should be also be more roles for full-time work. I worked part-time for many years as a nurse because there were no full-time spots. And it's like some trickery that hospitals are trying to do. And it's really unacceptable. Pay for the benefits, keep the nurses at the bedside that want to be at the bedside. And And just ask them like we just it's like we're a dime a dozen and we're not. And now you're seeing the ripple effect of not having these conversations because now you're seeing nurses on TikTok being like, oh, look at how much money I can make in Texas. Why are you guys out there hustling and dying in Ontario when you could be making, you know, 13K a week? And this is what nurses are starting to do. They're starting to see that the grass is greener. They have, you know, staffing ratios in in California where they're capped at how many patients that they can have. There are break nurses in in other in other countries. Like we just need to be innovative and we need to ask what nurses want. I'm 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 so frustrated that the government does not just sit down and say, "How can we keep you here?" It's such a simple question to ask, and they're not doing it. And now they're starting to see the 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 effects of not having those types of conversations well i sorry i know that was no no that's
1: (laughs) that's i don't think that that's a lot at all i think that's very important i think you're amplifying the voices of many nurses who uh relate to you and um you know it's also a good reminder uh well two things you know are are my takeaways from this number one is we're all going to need the help of a nurse at some point so this affects us all and if it won't be us soon, it'll be somebody we know, somebody we love. So this really is, uh, this reaches far beyond nurses. And, and secondly, it's a great conversation to have because you do have these, well, I don't know what the best way to say. I don't want to call them mixed messages. That's too light. Uh, and, and that's not accurate. You do have this inaccurate messaging as Asif brought up about the beds and, and, and people sort of frame the real problems in an inaccurate way. And that's not the way things are going to get solved. If you're talking about beds, you're not solving the problems that nurses are facing. You're not solving staffing and mental health issues. So we appreciate you being here. Neither of you are uh, part-time nurses. You work very hard. So we appreciate you carving out some time. I think this is very useful and very uh, illuminating and very important a really critical discussion that needs to be had and we're we're really happy you could uh could spare the time to be with us
3: thank you so much
2: thanks so much i really enjoyed the conversation and yes. being asked questions we've yes. never you know, been it asked it was before. it was
3: a great conversation and we need to come back and have like a funny yeah. episode because we do do funny episodes despite what you guys might be thinking we actually do funny episodes and maybe you guys can catch us on teeny because we did a we did a haunted hospitals episode for october
2: so <laughs> Oh, very nice! Yeah, actually, I found out that um, this channel T and E is on Rogers. If you have Rogers, you can watch it there.
1: T and E.
2: T and E. It's um, it's like a horror <laughs> kind of channel. So okay. Our our show that we were on was called Haunted Hospitals, where we each had an episode and we told some ghost stories from um, back in the day.
1: Very nice. We will have you back. We'd be happy to have you back. We have to time it right can't have a horrible nursing crisis looming in the background, and then we're just they all are. telling jokes. You know, we're all going to get hate mail. You guys read the room. What's wrong with you? What kind of people are you? We will time it right when there's positive stuff going on that we can focus on, and we'll have you back for the comedy. Uh, as you said on your uh, podcast, you do focus on all kinds of things, the serious issues, uh, therapeutic issues, but also funny things. So, again, I'm going to I'm gonna tell people uh, I can't recommend it highly enough for them to go to the Gritty nurse podcast you can find them online you can find them wherever you find your podcast under under gritty nurse asif anything from you would you like to say goodbye to our guests perhaps a decent human being might say goodbye (laughs) or thank you devolving very quick (laughs) eating my young eating
0: my young Uh, This is devolving very quickly no you know guys it was amazing i thank you so much for doing this and in our brief conversation today so many things to talk about uh the role of, of nurses in teaching medical students, right? The whole thing and, and the role that nurses have in teaching doctors and of course that idea of how to navigate the healthcare system. Uh, like I said, we have a bias because we know how to do it. Uh, and I we, we should probably do an episode just on tips for the average person on how to navigate it, right? I think that would be, uh, we'll do a joint episode or something and then we could be our most downloaded episode ever for each of our podcasts. Yeah, you guys need to come
3: yeah. on our podcast
0: too now. Yeah. Oh, we'd love to. <laughs> That's our show for today. Let us know what you thought about our interview with the hosts of the Greedy Nurse Podcast, Sarah and Amy. Let us know about follow-up episodes. We'd love to do another episode with them. And what topics do you guys want to hear about when it comes to nursing and nursing issues? Uh, Ali, what you got going on these days?
1: What I got going on is my book, Is There Bacon in Heaven, has been... Um, Doing pretty well, and it's, uh, you know, the uh, the holidays are in the front windshield. They're no longer in the rearview mirror. We mm-hmm. are now heading, barreling straight towards the holidays, and um, uh, I'm very lucky that bookstores have sort of profiled the book for a, a great holiday pick, and you know what? I'm going to do something I never do. I'm going to echo their sentiment. I, I'm really proud of what I've written. It's a book called Is There Bacon in Heaven? It's a memoir. It's a comedic book. It is... With all the insanity going on that we sort of live in, I really feel like I, I provided something that's kind of a the antidote, a temporary antidote to um to the wild stuff that we experience on a daily basis here in, in this place we call the world. So uh, I think it makes a great gift. And you can find it anywhere online or in person. In Canada, on in the US, you can find it online. And it is called Is There Bacon in Heaven? And that's uh, That is my focus right now. Just enjoying that.
0: Perhaps a stocking stuffer for someone if they celebrate Christmas?
1: Fits in most major retailers' stockings. I don't know that. I don't know if that's true. I think it does. It's not a very wide book.
0: He said wide, not white Please remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.